everyone, and welcome to episode 209 of MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Krim is out sick, trying to get his voice back to a workable spot, so he's taking the day off, but I am joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on today, Richard? Hey, Seth. Super Bowl weekend is behind us. Tom Brady is catching up to Kai Bude. <laughs> that was that was the worst Super Bowl of all time, I think. Not only did I have to deal with the Patriots and Brady winning, and I, I, they're my least favorite team as a Bills fan and just as a, a functional human being. Like, it's the right thing to do is hate on the Patriots. But boy, that was not a very entertaining game. That was just like the slowest, boringest Super Bowl. Even the commercials I didn't think were that good in general. So Yeah, I, I didn't follow the Rams, but like, what what was that offense? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what's going on, but uh, Belichick happened. That's what happened. It's like uh, the Rams got blood mooned, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, v- pretty much. That is a pretty good way of putting it, because yeah. they could not play the game. So. But Tom, Tom Brady found his basics just in time. He top-decked them right <laughs> at the right time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like a game that went like both players had Blood Moon down and nothing happened for like 15 turns. And then finally someone like drew their one basic land and actually won the game. That's that's how it felt. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, apart from the Super Bowl, our topic for this week, uh, we have a couple. We want to talk about kind of the big news that's been going on, which is first off, the Mythic Invitational was announced last week. Uh, a lot of hype and conversation about the tournament that's coming up the end of March at PAX East. So we're going to talk about that. Wanted to talk about video coverage. Uh, and then we have a bunch of fish mail to answer as well. So that's kind of the plan for the week. Uh, before we get into it, a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy they have some really cool online courses from great players like Polavita Damit Rosa and Reed Duke you can join the academy at spikesacademy.com and even get 10% off with the code goldfish and to learn more check out spikes underscore academy on twitter so thank you to spikes academy for their support and uh, with our sponsorship stuff out of the way let's talk some mythic invitational Richard so uh, Richard why don't you kind of just give us an overview of what this is why people are talking about it in case some of our listeners uh, haven't heard the announcement or whatever yet all right pax east coming up we have our first mythic event so it's a mythic invitational which is actually uh kind of like an exhibition it's not part of the mythic championships but all of our mpl players are going to be there and they also invited invited a bunch of uh, other streamers, celebrities, or, you know, people that are not qualified through the pro circuit to, to come play million dollar prize pool, new format, dual standard, <laughs> where it's a best of one, but it's a best of threes, but you actually bring decks with no sideboards. And then that will be covered at PAX East. That's our big first kickoff of this new esports announcement. All right. So, so Mythic Invitational, um, there's been a lot of conversation about the event. And I think it's a really exciting event. Like it's a million dollar magic tournament. It's got all the big, uh, magic pro league players there. It's got a ton of invitees there. Um, at the same time, there's still some controversy and just like weirdness about the whole thing because I think 
the important thing to realize is this is invitational, even though it's got the mythic in front of the name. And I think our brains have been trained over the last few months to associate mythic with pro tours, essentially, because they're doing mythic championships and they're, uh, that's like the new pro tours and it involves arena for some of these mythic championships. But this is while it has the same name, which might actually be unfortunate that it has the mythic in front of it. This isn't really a pro event. It's like half a pro event and half a, a streamer slash uh, person event, like uh, community figures or different uh, streamer types. Uh, what do you think of kicking off this esports for Magic Arena with this type of tournament? One of the criticisms I've heard from people is it's weird to have this event and have it not be all pros or pros plus like qualifiers from arena or whatever and just have all these random invitees. I feel like it should have been one or the other. Like, I feel like it should have been, this is the mythic championship to kick off. So we would just have our MPL players or this is an exhibition match where you only have kind of the non-pros playing the the invitees mixing them together i think is a lose-lose situation for watsi <laughs> like this is supposed to be an esports so if one of these quote-unquote streamers slash non-pros wins it, it kind of makes your game look bad like look it's actually just all coin flips and random person who's played you know five hours of magic can beat this pro the other half of it is, let's say they all just get decimated. Uh, that is also not good for Magic, right? Like, you don't want to see Reduke just steamrolling streamers left and right as well, right? So mixing them together is slightly awkward. If they wanted them all at the same event, I think they should have just had two, like, half-million-dollar tournaments or something, or made it... I, I don't know, some kind of weird game where like maybe you, you play together, right? Like two people play together and you have a pro and a non-pro teamed up to fight another like a, team. Like a pro-am golfer or <laughs> yeah. something. You have like the, the crazy comedian and then the pro golfer that's trying to drag them along. Exactly. Like <laughs> mixing them all into the same tournament kind of puts the competitive integrity at risk, if that makes sense. Like... You, you don't want to walk away... Like, maybe this is what they actually want, right? Like, the whole point of Magic is that you can sit down and any given Sunday where anyone can win. But at the same time, if you're trying to make a competitive league where the best of the best filter the top, like, I don't think you want to showcase that. So I, I don't know what the the right answer is, but it does definitely feel a bit weird to me. Yeah, uh, that that is, I think, a little bit strange, too, the weird mixture of pros and also uh, just the invitees. So I, I think what you said is true, and it's kind of funny, a lot of the things you said, I feel like they were things we said about the Silver Showcase. A, a lot of the same, like, if this had just been a promotional event with a bunch of Hearthstone streamers, it would be good. If it was all Magic Hall of Famers, like, for the history of the game, it would have been good. But the combination of putting those two elements together is part of what made it awkward and had a lot of the feel-bads involved. So in some ways, it feels like this event is kind of making a similar mistake on a larger scale because you have 64 players or whatever instead of eight players. But it seems like a lot of the same things hold true to this event. And one of the dangers of going this technique and having it be all the invitees is you get people that get left out. And that was one of the other big conversations is uh, why are 
some people in this tournament, some people not in this tournament. We had people that were upset because their favorite streamer or content producer wasn't in. And then we had people that went way too far and were bashing on people that were invited to the tournament because of it. So it kind of became a big mess like that. But in some sense, it seems like it's it's unavoidable. Like if you're going to just pick and choose with no real criteria or no public criteria, is there any way to do that without it devolving into a bunch of hurt feelings and arguments and name calling and all the dirtiness that we saw associated with it? Yeah, I I don't know, but I feel like Watsy didn't learn from Silver Showcase. Like it came with the same backlash as before. And it's really bad because if you're kind of just like a, a random person and you're like, oh, I heard about the mythic invitational at PAX East and you Google it and then like all these Reddit threads of people being like very salty and, you know, not welcoming uh, show up on Google. Like that's not the impression you want to give. So I feel like even even if this is like the, the thing Watsy wanted to do, they could have built the narrative better or something. Like, I, I don't know, like people were just insanely upset and it just puts a whole damper on the event. Like, I, I don't know, like even if you do or do not believe with what people uh, agree with what people are saying, it still feels bad to be surrounded by all this negativity. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the PR part of it definitely could have went better. And I really believe with a lot of this stuff is... I feel like a lot of what's happening with organized play in this tournament and uh, Grand Prix and coverage, we'll, t we'll talk about later. I feel like a lot of this is happening way faster than Wizards intended. My thinking on a lot of this is I really think that Wizards' plan was to do a lot of this stuff next year in 2020. If you remember back to their very first announcement, they talked about uh, having six pro tours and this being a tr uh, transitional year for organized play. Uh, and then they kind of like did another announcement that changed all of that just a couple months later. So I feel like because of the immediate success of Magic Arena doing a lot better uh, than Wizards, I think, intended right off the bat where you had these Hearthstone streamers that were like tweeting about their game and playing their game in these big esports companies like uh, Tempo Storm interested in Magic Arena players. Wizards was like, we need to capitalize on this. We need to do this now. We need to strike while the iron is hot. So I feel like some of this stuff... Uh, is just sort of rushed. Like, if you look at an event like this, it feels like Wizards is trying to do uh, a year's worth of work in a couple of months rather than a year, and that's how you end up with some of these uh, PR issues, some of the negativity, some of the weird questions of not knowing how people are invited or why people are invited or not invited. So I feel like that might be the root cause of a lot of this, is uh, Arena's success pushing up the timetable on what Wizards was planning on doing. And I kind of agree, but disagree. Like, Silver Showcase, okay, understandable. Like, first time doing it, like, who knew the community would react like this, right? But you should have learned something from that for this time around, right? Like, I, I don't know. But I, I feel like Watsy's just like, we're going to do this, and Reddit is a small community in the grand scheme of things, even though they're extremely vocal, so we'll just do it, like, whatever. Like, I feel like that's the approach, because I feel like you could have taken some learnings from Silver Showcase. Like, you can predict what Reddit is going to say before you say it, right? So if you really cared, I feel like you should kind of massage this in a way that's more palpable because remember this is subject number two which we'll talk about this is coming off the heels of the community already extremely upset about lack of video coverage 
right? So if they just had a single person focused on PR, they're like, hey, everyone's already super upset and touchy about this. Like maybe we should do something. But before we go there, uh, I wanted to talk more about the actual mechanics of this. So in addition to the invitees, so we have 32 MPL players, 24 invitees, and then we're gonna have the top eight constructed players from the Mythic ranking in February. So the new ranked season just reset. So if you wanna get in on this, guaranteed $7,500 minimum for everyone who's in here, top eight of Mythic gets in. What do you think about that, Seth? So I think it's cool that rank matters. And I think it's cool that there is a way for an average person to get into this really high value crazy tournament. So I like that aspect of it. I'm pretty skeptical that having it be the top eight on the ladder at a specific point in time where they decide to cut it off. I feel like that's going to be a nightmare for a couple of reasons. Number one is they even said in the original announcement, like you can't completely trust the rank that you see on your Magic Arena client because there's so many games going on at once that in a split second, someone could have passed you or not passed you and changed your ranking. So with only eight people getting in, uh, if you're even number six or number seven or even higher than that, it's possible that you'll think, okay, I'm good, but you actually won't be good. And you're going to have this horror story of people like posting pictures on Reddit of it saying uh, I'm in eighth place along with their clock on their computer showing it's at the cutoff time, but then not getting in the tournament. So I think that's one main concern is just the awkwardness of uh, how the top eight is going to work with the arena client. The other thing is, I feel like the top eight grind just incentivizes unhealthy behavior. I would have rather seen it be a larger cutoff, have the top 64, have the top 128, and do a tournament, like a play-in tournament, and invite the top eight people from that tournament or a series of tournaments uh, like you do in paper on magic online where you have essentially like pro tour qualifiers or qualifier events for these events and the top eight of the event or the top two of four different events get in i think that's healthier than being like all right the last couple days of the season you need to sit in front of your computer grind 24 hours a day not go outside not do anything healthy for your body to try to get these last slots or else someone else who is doing that is going to pass you so i feel like uh, those are my two concerns. I think it's good that there's a way normal people can get in, but I'm not a big fan of the exact mechanic for people getting in. Yeah, I'm fine with the mechanic as long as it works, which it doesn't, right? Like when you when you finish a game and your rank is shown, that needs to be the actual rank at that moment. And the problem is it's not. It's like some guesstimated rank or something, and that's going to lead to feel bads. But in terms of just cutting it off at 8 or 64, like it, it, I don't think it really matters because... You're going to be cramming last minute to get into top 64 anyway, or top 128, or, you know, like how many millions of people are playing arena and only the top fraction in. So people that care will be cramming their way in. So I, I don't know. And it kind of just depends on rank mechanics. Like, do you need to be playing at the last minute? Like, can you just achieve a certain, you know, uh, MMR and just sit there? Or do you need to keep playing? Like, I don't actually know how it really works. Uh, like, can I finish the season at, like, can I beat like 20 MPL pros in a row right now and then sit, sit atop my number one throne and like just not decay? Like, it's not really clear. Um, but 
I do like the fact that normal people have a chance to to get in. And by normal, I mean people that are able to grind twenty four seven. But like, it's better than nothing, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how other games do it. I think they're actually scouted out. But I, I, I don't know. But maybe a big Swiss tournament or something like you you said might be better. Like just anyone in Mythic is invited. Um, so that at least gives you a cutoff. Like you made it into Mythic, then you know you're qualified, and then that tournament will just be however big the Mythic pool is. So that could be a suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think hopefully maybe we get some cool stuff like that in the future, but I think right now we're still a little bit hamstrung by the arena client itself. Like just not having, I don't think the infrastructure is there yet to do a big Swiss tournament like you do on Magic Online or in a paper event. I'm just, I don't think that's built into the client at this point. So maybe this is the only option right now because it's the only way we have. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just fly everyone to like uh, a mythic <laughs> RPTQ, <laughs> and then you could qualify regionally, and then we'll send you a blue envelope to. <laughs> All right, here here's the I most think- exciting thing I want to talk about, though, Seth. Duo standard, yeah. this new format, okay, where you have to bring. Let me let me read this. This is kind of complicated. Two standard legal decks. You will not sideboard between games. But you may submit a sideboard for cards where sideboards matter, like Mastermind's Acquisition. You can submit the exact same deck twice, right? And then you you play, and then when 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 you play the second game, you have to play the deck you didn't play in the first one. So you have to play both decks. Although if you brought the same deck, then you just play the same deck twice. And then game three is where you get to select the deck. So the first game is random. You just get one yeah. of your two decks. The second game, you play the deck that wasn't in the first game. And the third game, if you need one, you get to choose. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm probably a little bit biased on this topic where I'm not a huge fan of no sideboard games for tournament-style play. So I'm probably a little bit biased. I'm skeptical, I'm going to say, that this format's going to be good. My experience is best of one is... Uh, that the meta probably, my guess would be you'll see people bringing the best aggro deck, like Mono Red Burn or whatever, and then maybe bringing like the best control deck, uh, and then that'll more or less be the meta game at the event. So I am interested to see how it plays out, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and it's a really interesting and diverse meta, but I'm a little afraid that the meta game is going to be pretty boring without sideboards being involved. I think a lot of the decks that we see do well in best of three tournaments, I don't know if they're even going to be in the conversation for this best of one format. So instead of a sideboard, you just have like a totally new deck, right? But the problem is you don't get to choose. It's like if you had a 15 card sideboard and you were forced to substitute all your cards like every time you sideboarded. That is the problem, right? So if I have a mono red deck as one of my decks and I know, okay, someone's going to bring Turbo Fog to prey on my mono red deck. So my second deck will be Esper Control so that I can just smash that Turbo Fog deck, right? That would be great. But on game three, I don't know what deck you're bringing. So I don't know whether I should be playing mono red or Esper control. And it's basically a coin flip at that point. That's the part I don't like. And I also just don't like having to build two decks. 
Like it's already hard enough building a deck on arena. Now I gotta build two decks, right? And then if you bring a single deck twice, are you disadvantaged? Maybe, maybe not. But it's just a little. It's just like more card ownership that needs to happen as well. But it is a an interesting format. But although I don't know how much strategy is in it. Like, is it just coin flips as to which decks are chosen, and is everyone just bringing like two ends of the spectrum, right? Or I mean, are are you the meta gamer who brings like double mid range? Right, so that you always have. Game. I want to lose to everything. <laughs> that's that's John no. in a nutshell, man. That's that's a been a viable strategy. Invest the three for years, uh, Seth. I, I, I think this will be really interesting, and I my hope is that Wizards is uh, open to feedback based on the result of this tournament, and that if it isn't a great meta game, then they're willing to change course for the future. Uh, so I'm hopeful that it'll be better than I'm thinking it will be. On paper, I agree with you that it seems really random. I already feel like best of one tends to be more of a coin flip than best of three, just because of like who wins the die roll and how big of an impact that can play on games. Uh, and then this format with the randomness of the decks and the guessing game you were talking about, it seems like it has even like another layer of coin flipping on top of it. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe wizards wants the random streamers to be like, I feel like the pros are at a disadvantage here. I feel like skill, compared to like a pro tour, I feel like skill is not going to be as important to who does well in this tournament. Like, skill obviously matters, uh, but I think it matters less, and I think random streamer person is going to have a lot better chance of beating top 32 pro player in the MPL League with this format than they would in pretty much any other format. I actually think it's the exact opposite. I think... Because this is a format that makes no sense, or let's say brand new, right? Like, as a streamer, where are you going to be practicing dual standard? Like, nowhere, right? Like, you have to be explicitly testing with people that are testing dual standard, which as a streamer, you're probably not going to be doing because you're streaming. But the pros, they are literally sitting around doing their job by by testing with other pros this this new format. So I actually think they are they will be heavily advantaged because with the pro tour nowadays you just look at moto results, you look at SCG results, uh you know, you go to FNM whatever, right? Like you have lots of data to pull from to come up with a reasonable deck. But now with dual standard there's nothing out there, right? It's like no net decking, right? So <laughs> The pros, I think, have an advantage, right? They have all time to sit around and, you know, all the pros have pro friends who are doing this too. So, like, all they got to do is just keep playing and testing, right? It's, it's like when they play the, you know, 500 games of limited before the pro tour in their team house or whatever, right? Everyone else is like, well, I got to go to work, right? Uh, I, I got in, like, five drafts on moto. I should be good to go. The pros have just, like, hammered this format in. So, if they take this seriously, I think they're going to have an advantage. Unless... Duo standard is not actually a format and like there is no actual intrinsic strategy to it, which I feel is false. I feel there's probably some optimal configuration of decks. Can can you actually, does any amount of practice make you better at flipping a coin though? I think that's that's the question. Ask if Hearthstone players. That, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it is that much of a coin flip format with guessing which deck uh, to play last and like best of one winning die rolls, like maybe like that variance just 
overwhelms whatever amount of skill and practice goes into it I, I it'll be interesting to see it'll be interesting even best of one testing like we don't have a lot of resources on best of one deck building so just best of one deck building alone with the pros taking their crack at it because this is kind of the first time we've seen this aside from the weird world championship finish where pros are coming in at best of one and playing with sideboard cards main deck right so I don't know. I, I'm hoping they do. If, if they do nothing, right, and then the streamers kind of just play with them and they're all on equal footing, it's really bad for the esports. So I really do hope they come in and smash the random people to show that, hey, you know, there is a skill gap, right? You need to be playing for five years at the highest level to actually compete with me. Because if we all just play buddy-buddy and 50% win rate, then it really is just coin flips left and right. And then that's really bad for Magic, I think. Yeah. And and like you said way back in the beginning, that is one of the the risks of this form of tournament. If the streamers go in and crush the pros, then it kind of reinforces that idea. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I do think there's a lot of money. Like everyone gets a minimum of $7,500 uh, just for showing up and finishing last place. But like first place is $250,000. That's I heard Brad Nelson talking about this and he said that winning this tournament would equal more money than his entire 10-year career in Magic winnings for this one tournament. So I think the incentive is there for these high-level players to try to break the format and do well because the reward is massive, at least in Magic terms. That's an entire career's worth of money for getting first place at this event. Yeah. And, oh, we didn't mention because Krim isn't here, but Krim will be repping MTG Goldfish in the tournament. He will be taking down the 255s with some Teferi base deck. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. I, I bet you I know uh, his two decks. One will be Teferi, and then one will be Carnage Tyrant to beat the other Teferi decks. <laughs> <laughs> did I, uh, did I just spill all his secret strats? <laughs> I think you just spoiled it for Grim, yep. <laughs> no, maybe he'll, uh, maybe yes, he'll go with the be. novel, just double Teferi. Just like... Esper control and then Esper control with like three cards difference to, to like throw off your opponent in the third game. <laughs> uh, yeah, there will be Teferis. I'm pretty confident in that. But yeah, that'll be super sweet. And it would be awesome to see Krim just crush it at this tournament. That would be super cool. Yeah. The other thing before we move on to coverage, uh, the other thing that kind of came out with this announcement was they're going to be maintaining a separate ban list for best of one compared to best of three. Uh, what do you think of that? Like, do you, do you think splitting standard even more is a good thing or a bad thing? I think they need to do it for competitive reasons. So yes, it makes sense, but it's bad that it fragments the player base. But I think eventually paper will get the axe. So I think eventually paper will just copy everything digital will be doing. That is my guess, right? Like re remember when they, uh, they released commander and then they're like oh you know we'll just have the same ban list across 1v1 and multiplayer and then that made like no sense whatsoever <laughs> so they had to then switch it so best of one is a different beast than best of three so they they do need a separate ban list but then it's just not maintainable long term they got to collapse it back somehow and my guess is eventually they remove best of three like if best of three was so great in their eyes why did best of one come about Right. So if they invented best of one, to me, that's like they think that's the future. So going forward, best of one will be the future, meaning best of three rules will collapse into best of one. I'm a little bit 
more confident that best of three is going to stick around. At least, I mean, if you take what Wizards is saying at any sort of face value, like that they're not changing things in paper, maybe digital will eventually just be the dominant force, like uh, depending on how things go in the next year or two with Arena. So I guess I could see that happening long term, but I think short term... I don't really see best of three going away in the paper world or even uh, on Magic Online for what that's worth or even on Arena as a, a backup way to play. Well, I mean, let's look back, right? Like Magic Online and Arena are supposed to coexist, right? And you already see the, the balance shifting. MPL and Grand Prix and Pro Play and whatever are supposed to coexist, right? And uh, we're, we're about to talk about that. But uh, clearly one is being left by the wayside and one is like going forward full steam. So I, I, so I you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you just can't keep two systems. It's just weird. Especially since they're so similar. Yeah, no, that it, it is weird to have two different formats within Standard, which is a format. So that part definitely is odd. I also wonder if they did this, at least in part, because they feel like they need to ban things before this tournament. <laughs> like, I don't think they could do this tournament and then have someone Nexus loop or whatever. So I, I'm definitely expecting we get a banned announcement for Nexus of Fate and Best of One. In before this tournament takes place. Oh, but it's dual standard. You just bring a control deck and take care of this. <laughs> take care of this Nexus loop. Do you think there will be any bannings before the Mythic Invitational? No. In best of one in specific. Okay, no, no. banning. I, I, I think, I there think will their be. dual standard will fix it. And I think it would be a travesty to remove Nexus loop. I think Nexus loop is what makes this game cool. And even though it's kind of sucky and boring after a while, like the first time you see it, it's amazing. Like the first time you see eggs, amazing, right? First time you see lantern control, amazing, right? It's like the thousandth time you see it, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this, right? So I feel like Nexus, looping Nexus of Fate is something that we can do um, that's unique to our game. Right. Or like looping to fairy. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And maybe it's a bit boring, but it's so unique to magic. I feel like if they remove it, it's, it's kind of like axing a part of the game. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to get banned. What do you think we're getting? A Nexus of Fate banning? I would not be surprised to see Nexus of Fate banned in best of one. And I almost wonder if they're going to ban something kind of like the Reflector Mage ban, where they're like, well, since we're doing this, we need to also ban something from Mono Red to make sure the format uh, like stays at parity or whatever. I don't know what in the world you ban from Mono Red. It seems so weird to ban like a, a <laughs> Skewer the Critics or like a random Lightning Bolt effect just to power down the deck. But I think next, I'm very... I think it's very likely Nexus gets banned, and I think there's a chance something from Red gets banned before the tournament. Wait, wait, wait till the errata cards. <laughs> oh, dear. We've already seen it. It's already happened. Uh, I mean, it's the digital anyway, age. You got to take advantage of it. It makes sense uh, from a digital perspective. It's just so clunky with paper cards also existing. Uh, such a... I do not envy Wizards in some ways, because there's a lot of competing interests and factors going on right now and ugh, it seems like you got to make some really tough decisions and i would not want to be the person making those decisions i kind of wonder what it's like inside watsi like is everyone on board and have the same plan or is it like civil war in there like the paper people are like fighting the arena people and like moto's <laughs> trying to get noticed or like i wonder how it actually <laughs> is like you know when, when someone says something on twitter is that the truth 
or you know and they just actually don't know because someone from Hasbro is going to come and override them or are they kind of just lying to you know like through their teeth and giving the PR talk I'm like actually kind of curious as to what is actually going on at Watsi? Because I don't think it's as simple as, you know, we make it out to be, right? Like, I bet you there are people there fighting fiercely for best of three. Someone else is fighting fiercely for best of one. Someone's trying to keep Moto alive. Like, kind of curious what it looks like. Yeah, I, I bet it is a pretty interesting time in the Watsi headquarters. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we wanted to uh, hit on before we get to fish mail is video coverage. So uh, video coverage before we get into it, we should say we still don't have official, official word from Wizards on this. What we know right now is a lot of the people that were doing coverage didn't get their contracts renewed. We know that there's not anything outside of Mythic Championship events uh, in the Mythic Invitational listed on the Twitch coverage schedule. Uh, and we know that there was not coverage of the last two GPs, uh, which were both limited events, which limited isn't that popular. We haven't heard any word about there being coverage for the modern GP in Toronto this weekend. Uh, so putting that all together... It seems like Wizards is moving away from video coverage of GP events, focusing on, uh, presumably, Mythic events, the Mythic Championships, Mythic Invitational. What do you make of this, Richard? So I just wanted to add that Watsi dropped all coverage, text coverage included, and Channel Fireball said, okay, we'll pick up the mantle on text coverage. And then when people asked about video coverage, it was crickets, right? So <laughs> right now we're going to get text coverage from Channel Fireball, not from Watsi, and then video coverage, like radio silence. And we talked about this last week about, you know, $10 million, you know, oh, so cool. But it turns out it was just all an accounting trick, right? They just took all the money from Grand Prix and stuff and kind of like funneled it into Mythic Championships. So to fund Mythic Championship, they decided to cut video coverage, right? Or to make, to give video coverage to Mythic Championship. They decided to cut Grand Prix video coverage, which sucks. Like I, I want to watch Magic, but at the same time, people don't dedicate their video coverage to kind of the minor leagues, which is what the Grand Prix are becoming, right? So... I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. it. It sucks that we can't watch Magic. And it sucks that we didn't get money for everything, I guess. Like, it would have been super cool if 10 million was new 10 million. So we had everything we had, and then we got this bonus thing. But it seems like that's not where the money came from. And Watsi is making compromises in other areas to fund this this new thing. And eh, I don't know. But they should say something. I mean, even if they cut video coverage, they should say something. But my guess is they're going to show us the Mythic Invitational, get us all hyped up, and then they'll break the bad news, right? Like, my guess is something like that. Yeah, uh, that that makes sense. Um, uh, that's a It is a really tough topic. Uh, personally, I really enjoy video coverage, and I watch a decent amount of video coverage, and it really makes me sad to potentially see it going away which is where it seems like we're at but who knows like we said nothing is officially announced things could change in the future um i wonder what this does for for players and for gps like 
in the past, the way you would make a name for yourself, more or less, in Magic was you go to GPs and do really well. Like, I I talk with uh, Chris Patello on Twitter, and the only reason I know who Chris Patello is is he won a GP with Harmless Offering Demonic Pact a few standards ago, and that's how he made a name for himself in the Magic community without coverage and without GPs being presumably all that important to uh, the ecosystem of organized play what do these people do like how do you how do you make a name for yourself in the community now by playing magic if you can't get invited to these really exclusive pro tour events uh, we or we don't know don't know how you get invited to them like i guess there probably will be a way but that hasn't been announced like how you actually qualify for these there's no coverage for gps to kind of star build players so i feel really bad for for people who are trying to break into the magic scene and kind of like make a name for themselves playing magic. I also wonder what it means for the future of just GPs in general. Like are GPs something that's going to be happening two years from now, five years from now, or is wizards moving away from that? Like, are they going to drop GPs altogether and just focus on arena and these few pro tours a year? Like uh, it's very uncertain. There's just a lot of uncertainty with things. And I mostly want Wizards to just, like, say something. I feel like they're they're hoping that, like, week goes by, there's no coverage. Week goes by, there's no coverage. Hopefully, from Wizards' perspective, I think they just are hoping people will forget eventually. Like, they could just stop covering events, not say anything about it, uh, and eventually people will just stop wondering, well, like, why isn't there coverage anymore? Uh, so I wish they would just be a little bit more upfront and transparent about what's going on. I feel like they, it would be way better if they said... We are getting rid of GP video coverage because we are pouring all these resources into covering these six mythic events a year. And we're going to make that the most awesome coverage, like high esports level coverage that you see in other games. And that's the decision we made for this year. I feel like people would probably still complain because we're magic players and we complain about everything. And there would be people that were disappointed. But I think that that would be preferable to just letting people speculate and stew on what's happening with coverage. Uh, so uh, what are you expecting for this Mythic coverage, Richard? Are are we going to have our minds blown when we turn on the Mythic Invitational? Are we going to see the huge stages and lights and camera? Like if you're watching a really high-level esports event, or are we going to see uh, slightly souped-up GP coverage? <laughs> slightly souped-up GP coverage. Like. Everything Watsy has done so far feels very Watsy, right? So uh, I haven't seen anything to show me otherwise, but maybe they'll surprise us with the greatest mythic championship of all time, right? But uh, so far, my expectations are low. Uh, to answer your earlier question, how does a new player break into the scene nowadays? We all know that answer. That is to stream Hearthstone in 2018, right? <laughs> There's like no way, like... You have to be a streamer. Like, this is how you get invited nowadays, right? To, to get recognized, you need to be streaming Arena. If you streamed last year, that would have been great. You know, like, when it was small enough that Watsi would know who you are individually. By now, it's starting to get hard, right? By now, there's so many streamers getting into it, it's harder to make a name for yourself. Uh, but the other way is to go to the competitor, the SCG Tour, right? The SCG Tour has been around because people thought, hey, Grand Prix are not worth it bad EV and they don't do star building and this is something SCG does so we might see a migration of paper players towards the SCG tour and maybe they become an alternate circuit but 
I don't know. Like, are there any sports with like two circuits that, you know, like a, a primary circuit by the main person and then like a secondary? Like, I, I feel like like esports doesn't work that like 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 that, right? Whoever has the name of the the actual maker of the game like gets an advantage because they can always do things, right? They can always put features into arena to forward their tournament, whereas SCG Tour cannot. So. I don't know. SEG tour it looks a little dicey too. So I, I I don't I don't know what this all means. But I I do feel that Wizards needs to say something. But you know at the same time we've been complaining about Grand Prix coverage forever. So maybe this is their fix, right? Like oh we can't yeah. read the cards, the glare, blah blah blah. And they're like well okay, like we'll just reboot it with this mythic uh, championship, right? Maybe we can spectate in client, right? Maybe we can follow along with the pros as they play, or we can. Uh, fire up the client on Monday and watch the whole tournament from there. Don't know. Don't expect it, but you, you never know, right? So hopefully they're doing something because, yeah, now that GP coverage is gone, we're all moaning about it. But remember, GP coverage is pretty bad. We complain about like dead airtime ads, like non-time walk matches and can't read the cards. New players can't follow along. You know, commentary is bad, like blah, blah, blah. Like there, there was endless complaints uh, of Grand Prix coverage. So so maybe Watsi is just like, okay, well, we're going to reboot it and this is how we're going to do it. And hopefully it'll be dramatically different and looks like other esports and, and not just like the same Grand Prix formula, but uh, just like moved over here now. So I'm expecting the coverage for the Mythic events to be pretty... Uh, at least the attempt, I think, is going to be to make it pretty amazing and pretty, like, high-level, real esports-level coverage uh, with the lights and the stages and the signage and the confetti or whatever, like, all the... I think they're going to go no, all out. they haven't even announced events. a stadium, right? <sighs> like, if they were to do this, then we, we should be able to buy tickets to watch MPL, hmm. right? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's a good point. And then you would have, like, crowds cheering, you would have jerseys, you would have, you know, chants, and, like, you know, be a real sports, right? But they haven't even announced a stadium. Uh, so it's just going to be some, like, kind of low-key online. Maybe they'll have the booths, like, you know, have you seen the booths? Do you think we have sponsors? Hardware sponsors? What, what do you think? Because remember when they showed the mocks or whatever? It, like, it was like a guy on a table with a laptop, like, you know, but, you know, if you want to do this correctly, you got to have, like, the branded headsets, like, the, the PCs and stuff are all branded with your sponsors. It seems it'll, it'll, easy it'll to do. It'll probably be Tigtone. Tigtone will be everywhere. <laughs> if there is... Okay, that's how we know if this is legit or not. If that... PC and that chair and that headphone they use do not have sponsors on them, then they haven't put enough effort into this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that's where they want to be. Whether or not we'll actually see that with this Invitational or the first Mythic Championship, ugh, that I'm not 100% sure of. And I mean, we should find out something with this upcoming Pro Tour. Like, we're a couple of weeks away from a Pro Tour. That is the first Mythic Championship. It's not this Arena Invitational, but... We'll see. I mean, maybe we haven't had coverage. That is the one justification I could see. And I'm not sure I would agree with it as someone who really likes GP coverage. But I could see Wizards being like, we're going to take the money we spend out of covering 40 GPs a year. And we're going to spend all that money to make these six events a year 
super awesome, memorable, like, as good as possible. Uh, if that's what's going on, I would still be disappointed because I would miss GPs, but I could see the argument for that at least. But if the money for covering GP goes goes away and we still get just kind of the same old coverage that doesn't seem significantly more uh, exciting and improved, then I'm going to be really disappointed. What do you think the viewership numbers will be? I was going to actually ask you this. I, I, I have no idea. I have literally no idea what to expect. I am skeptical that just from what I see on like the arena subreddit, I'm skeptical that a lot of the new arena players are interested in watching people play arena. So I, while there's tons of people that are new to the game, how many of those people are going to tune in for this event and spend their weekend watching it on Twitch? I really don't know. I'm hopeful that it's really good. Uh, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 50k. Let's say they hit 50k. That's like slightly better than the best they've done at Pro Tours. I think hoping for like 100k or something for the first event, that's probably, uh, asking for too much, although maybe we can get there eventually. If it isn't topping what we've seen at past Pro Tours, then I think it's it's pretty much a failure. I think it's going to depend on if I see anything in the client. Uh, if they do their normal promotion, which is basically nothing, then I expect to see normal, if not worse, numbers uh, for a Pro Tour. But if they just force, like, you know, the Twitch embed, if they just force everyone in the client to watch, the numbers will be amazing. And I feel like they need to do that. Like, new players don't know about competitive magic. They don't know this exists. They, you need to get it in front of their eyes, right? So we should be seeing, like, ads on YouTube, ads on Twitch. We should be seeing stuff in the client. And if we do, then I think the numbers will be very good. I, I would say like 75k to 100 if they push it. But I don't know that they're doing any of that. Like we should be seeing ads already for this, but we're not. Yeah, I think I think hopefully that's coming soon if uh, that's happening. So oh, I don't know. Uh, I I am hoping for the best, but I am expecting the worst and some sort of. <laughs> Some sort of ridiculous just disaster that, uh, so I don't know. Hopefully it all goes well. I really want to see Magic and Arena do well. Uh, I'm nervous about it, but I guess we'll find out. It's not that long away. We're a little over a month away, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <sighs> I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what Wizards is thinking or doing. Yeah, they, I, we uh, think this and they just do random things. So now it's, it's like so hard. To come back to it one more time, the main thing I just want is more communication and transparency. Like, the uncertainty, I think, is what is making a lot of this so... Uh, keeping it going as a topic on social media, keeping it going on Reddit, like... Even if people are not happy with it, if you just put it out there, everyone's going to yell about canceling GP coverage for a day, but then people are just going to point to that article and be like, all right, they're doing it because of Mythic Championships, and it would be over. But now it's just been, like, dragging on for weeks and weeks because nothing's being said about it, which feels just like the worst PR tactic. Like, it feels like just such a horrible way of going about it. So I feel like Wizard just, like, say something, get it over with. It can't be any worse than having people just uh, talking about it complaining about it for the last three weeks since a random tweet you sent out so just get it done with move on 
They're gonna oh, wait. They gotta. They gotta. They gotta wait till like Friday afternoon, where everyone's out of the office and like tax is going on, and then they're gonna like slowly drop out Grand Prix coverage canceled. It's a well, tried speaking, and true tactic. <laughs> speaking of moving on, we should probably move on to fish mail. We said this was gonna be a short week, and it's it's looking like it's gonna be a long one. Oh boy. Uh, all right. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we get to your questions on air. Gore Lord finished watching Commander Clash live, and it was an absolute best or absolute blast. I would love to do it more often, maybe four times a year or so. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, let us know what you think. If you enjoy Commander Clash Live, maybe that's something where instead of doing it once between seasons, maybe we do a mid-season Commander Clash Live episode and and do it a little bit more uh, every year. If that's something that people want, it would be something that theoretically could happen. So let us know what you think. Yeah, I enjoyed the live episode. It was a little chaotic because we had so much going on. Uh, It's not as relaxed as recording a normal Commander Clash, but it's pretty fun to to blame everything on the audience it's like i'm not attacking vince chat told me to <laughs> uh, yeah the audience definitely adds a really fun extra level to it so i don't think we could do it every week or anything but i think if it's something people really wanted we could probably figure out a way to sneak it in a little more often yeah uh major the dragon with the debacle of gp coverage this weekend uh, how would it be if tabletop events were still a thing, but feature matches have PCs with decks loaded onto Arena for those matches? Maybe show the digital and table sides of MTG. That could be interesting. I think, yeah, I think that could be a possibility. I don't know how hard that would be to pull off as far as organizing the tournament, but... I mean, Arena does seem better for viewers, especially with the different extensions and add-ons that you can use. So maybe that would be a possibility. Although, at the same time, it only applies to standards. So you would still be dealing with uh, a bunch of legacy GPs, uh, potentially limited GPs. I guess you could load up limited GPs and just do the drafting or whatever physically with real cards and then load the decks up afterwards. But it could help for standard GPs, I guess. Yeah, how, if you were going to play the top eight on Arena, then why don't you just play the Swiss on Arena? <laughs> like, like I don't know, right? Or, you know, if you were going to play the Swiss in paper, why not play the top eight in paper? Because you have the decks. So to me, it's well, a bit weird to be flip-flopping between the two. What do you think, though, of, like, having the tournament be paper and then just, like, the feature match area? Like, every round, you pull out a couple people and, like, you're playing on Arena this round for coverage sake. I feel like the players should be playing on paper, but they should have someone, you know, like, you can, like, watch recreations of chess matches, right? Because they record the moves and you can actually watch a chess match live by just, like, opening some, like, Yahoo tab. Like, that, I think, is fine. But to make the player switch is weird. Yeah, I guess that would be a little awkward because you might actually have some people that don't even play Arena and be like, hey, you've never played Arena before. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck with your feature match. <laughs> uh, next question. Miguel Izumat. As I blinked, Hydroid Crassus went from $10 to more expensive than my car. Do I ever have hopes of picking it up on the cheap in the near future? So I don't think you're ever going to pick it up for $10 in the near future, but uh, we're still really early 
in our Ravnica Legion standard format. Pro Tour's coming in a couple weeks. We will see. It's possible that the really popular decks from Week 1, which are Saltai Midrange with Hydroid Crosses, maybe they're not the top-tier decks of the format coming out of the Pro Tour, and then we'd see the slow trickle down of down to $30 and down to $25 and $20. So I could see it getting back down in the, like, $20 range if it falls off in standard and doesn't do well at the Pro Tour, but I think the days of $10 crosses are in the past. All right. Duck Oat, how do you feel about, quote, investing in foils or special versions of cards, judge promos, masterpieces, etc. Also, if you own any physical decks, do you like to add that special flavor by foiling them out? Personally, I like the idea for EDH. So, I'm not a big paper deck person. I do have a paper deck now. It is not foiled out. It is a mono red prison or free win red for, for modern. So, that's my only real paper deck. So, I don't really do that. I do think from an investment standpoint that... Cards like uh, the special Planeswalkers that we just got. For, uh, are they Mythic Edition? So many Mythics. I'm being. I'm overwhelmed <laughs> with Mythics. Everything is Mythic <laughs> now. <laughs> but Mythic Edition Planeswalkers, Masterpieces, it was hinted at in an interview this past week, actually, that we would see Masterpiece-like cards showing up in packs again in the future. Uh, so things like that, I think, are good investments because it's very unlikely that Wizards is going to reprint that exact version of the cards compared to a normal card or even a normal foil card, which pretty much can be reprinted at any time in a challenger deck, a commander deck, whatever. Yeah, I don't typically foil out my decks because I feel like that money is better spent building a second deck. So I, I typically don't do that. And uh, my flair of personality comes from my like $2 basic lands. Because I only play like three, so that's not that much money. <laughs> uh, JC Thacker 21. What do you think about dual lands that contain only one subtype? So a planes that taps for white and another color. Maybe they print in a commander product that becomes a budget replacement for OG duels. Hmm. So only fetchable by like half the fetches. <laughs> I think that it would be awkward from a flavor perspective like why does my planes tap for blue mana so i think that might be one hurdle to get over uh as far as power level i guess it does slightly decrease the power level as far as uh interacting with fetch lands uh i guess it would be fine yeah there's all weird like you can make like a vivid land that's fetchable <laughs> that comes into play untapped so you can only use it like once or something or uh, what's what's that colorless land that enters the battlefield tapped and when it comes in the battlefield it adds a man of any color like you could do weird oh. things like that to give you like a temporary second color but it's only temporary yeah but i don't know i, don't I feel know. like they don't want to be doing this <laughs> like i feel like they're not trying to skirt og duels like i feel like they just have you know they need dual lands and then once in a while they'll give you a good one but like they're not trying to sit around and give you a good dual land like every single set <laughs> I think if Wizards wanted to make lands to substitute for the original duels, they probably would have just done it by now. There are ways to do it and get around the reserve list. Uh, if they really wanted to, they could justify it. Snow-covered dual lands or whatever. Like, there are ways they could have gotten around it. Uh, so I think they're just not super interested in trying to replace the original duels in Legacy. I think yep. they'd rather just Legacy die. <laughs> yep. Uh, Verdant Farce. <laughs> Autumn 2019, new arena format with Shadows Forward, 
Also, an arena-only set that will include all cards legal in this format, but not standard, plus a hundred curated cards from Magic's past. What cards would you be most excited to see in such a set? So they're gonna make like a master set, right? That they would add into this new standard plus format. That's the suggestion here, which is actually pretty clever. I think that's what they'll end up doing. Because if they just do like normal standard, like the rotated sets, I think it'll be too shallow. But do you think they should like add Blood Moon and things like that and create kind of pseudo modern, but only out of a master set? I think it would be really hard to make the format good. I think it would require a lot of testing on their end because the challenge is if you just took a master set and dumped it into whatever the format ends up being, Shadows Forward, Kaladesh Forward, Ixalan Forward, uh, the Master Set cards are just going to be on such a different level than most of the standard cards that I I feel like they're just going to overwhelm uh, everything else in terms of playability. Like, every green two-drop is just not going to be as good as Tarmogoyf or whatever, so I feel like it would make a really narrow and unhealthy format unless they really extensively tested the format and tried to design a set specifically to make the format good, like testing these cards plus the cards that are in the format. So I think it would be challenging, but it would be cool if they could pull it off. Yep. Only for contact. With Seth joking about Price of Progress being put on a creature in the latest podcast, what current legacy slash vintage spell uh, effect could you see being put on a creature for standard or modern? Ooh, Wizards loves doing this. This is like some of their most prevalent designs, it seems like, are spells stapled to creatures these days. That's a good question. Hmm... Do you have one off the top of your head, Richard? I'm trying to think. Not not quite. Not quite what Sam is asking here, but uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Ravnica Legion Sealed, and then the, the three-mana... or not Sealed, Draft. The three-mana 3-3 three, three that gives you, like, a one-turn ghostly prison is a pretty cool concept, so I'd like to see that with a Blood Moon. Ooh. So for one, one turn, turn blood moon? for one turn, you're blood mooned. So if your deck is all non-basics, you basically take a turn off. But if your deck is not, then you can do whatever you want. So I, I, mm. I like that one turn effect, like a one turn crippling, like a one turn stasis, a one turn blood moon. What do you think about like, what about like a green sun zenith? Could you imagine a, like an X creature, maybe like triple green and X? When it enters the battlefield, search for green creature, convert a mana cost X or less. Is that creature a 1-1? One, one? Like, what? If that creature has any legitimate stats, would it be any good? It would, would it be, be like too good? It X enters with X counters. Yeah, maybe that is, maybe that is just too good. So maybe. I get, oh, so I get a six mana, three, three, and a three drop. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, that, that might be, mm. that might be too good with the tutoring power. Show and tell creature. <laughs> How it's, about called, that? it's called Evercool. It costs fifteen. <laughs> Show, uh, I don't. I don't know. Like, um, actually, like a I stifle. Think, like we have a bunch of these already, right? Like, uh, you know, I think a good one in Snaring Bridge. I think would be significantly fair on a creature because then it dies to creature removal, and so it would still be annoying, but it would not be just a hard lock like we see with actual Snaring Bridge. Yeah. I was about to say Angel's Grace. <laughs> then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> we already got that wait, one. Wait a minute. We, we actually just previewed it. Like, yeah, you're right. Watsi <laughs> has already kind of abused this 
looks like they love going to this this spot where you just put some overpowered effect onto a creature and say, we well, ha- we removal have- will deal with it. Yeah, we have like the brainstorm, merfolk, and standard. Yeah. Maybe like a surgical extraction, enter the battlefield trigger. That could be, that could be good. Do we have a rest in peace? Do, do we have something that just like a bajuka bog, but like on a creature? <sighs> I don't think we, we have do. in standard. We have a Tormod script. We have a two mana spirit that you can sack to exile someone's graveyard. Mm. But I don't know if we have an actual Bajuka Bog like enter the battlefield exile. Maybe in modern somewhere. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I think they'll do it. I, I think we'll we'll get like ancestral recall and things like that. Like, can you imagine like an adapt ancestral recall or something like? It's that like a two busted. mana two two, but you pay like eight mana and ancestral recall. <laughs> I think we have a, a, a like a snail or something, like a one mana zero three that you pay eight and sack it and you get to Ancestral Recall. I'm, I'm sure we do. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Tans, do you think Watsi will experiment more with suspend cards in the future? Or is it not something you'd view as possible due to Cascade mechanics as foretold and Electrodominance? Ooh. I think Cascade is, or not Cascade, suspend is hard. I, I feel I'm like guessing... things that re- you have to remember to remove your counter. <laughs> I feel like that's a hard mechanic nowadays. So, yes, I think that that's part of it. Also, the fact that the creature comes down with haste for no reason is very unintuitive, which is hilarious because apparently when they designed suspend, they thought it was more intuitive that the creature would have haste. So that's specifically why they gave the creatures haste when they come off suspend. But today, everyone is completely baffled by it and it doesn't make sense to them. Looking at the storm scale, it has consistently been rated a eight or nine, uh, or with many times Mero's been asked about it. So I think it's pretty unlikely. Uh, for context, 10 is it's never happening. It would take a major miracle for it to ever happen. So eight to nine means it's pretty unlikely, very unlikely that we see it again. All right. Life as Shane. Would you guys consider the Patriots to be the NFL equivalent of a Teferi control deck? It's good, but no one really wants to see it win. Yeah, I I think that's a, a pretty good comparison. <laughs> I, I've actually flipped like kind of 180 on this. I used to hate Tom Brady. Now I just want to see him win like till he's like 43 to see how ridiculous it can get right like imagine him winning 10 super bowl rings right i think like, he is i think he is 43 <laughs> is he actually he's not 43 he's like 40 isn't he how old, how old is it? 41 41 42 in august yeah oh, oh he is 42 this year oh boy okay so <laughs> he's still got a couple years but it's it's getting so ridiculous that now i kind of want to see how far he can take it like like the damage has been done he's already terrorized the league so you might as well do it for another couple years to create this thing that like we'll never see again and yeah sorry the bills have to suffer because of this <laughs> i would hate brady a lot less if the patriots were in the same division of the bills and the bills have to play them every year that's i think that's part of why i dislike brady but i definitely i mean i you gotta respect him it's pretty impressive so the teferi comparison that's a good one uh, i don't really enjoy watching someone win with teferi but you gotta respect how good it is so I feel he's like Goblin Chain Roller and everyone's playing token decks. And like Watsy's like, we need to ban Chain Roller. But then they're like, but but like so many views and everyone has Chain Rollers. We can't do this. <laughs> right. But I don't know, man. You, you got to nerf Belichick or Brady. It's, it's time for the ban list, but there is no ban list in the NFL. So good luck. Good luck, Buffalo Bills. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question. 
This was for Krim. Krim is not here, so we're gonna answer and put words in his mouth. Okay, Seth. Okay. <laughs> M. Kinnard. I'll be Krim. <laughs> a hypothetical for Krim. You can ban Carnage Tyrant, but Teferi is banned as well. Deal or no deal? <laughs> he would not do it. He would. He would play his detection towers before he he got rid of Teferi. I think. Yeah, he would keep Teferi. But okay, okay. How about this? What if they added Thrun to the format? <laughs> Would you still play Teferi? Like, you can play Teferi, but your opponents all come with a Thrun in their deck. In addition to whatever Carnage Tyrants they want to play, would you still play Teferi? Crimwood. I, I don't know if there's, like... Uh, you could have, like, Choke in the format, and I don't even know. And Crimwood still, he would find a way. He just loves Teferi that much. I feel at some point you would switch to another walker. <laughs> I feel like Thrun the Last Troll might be might be the last straw there like like thrun is a lot worse than carnage tyrant right it's a lot cheaper it comes down a lot earlier so but we we now have settled the wreckage so it's like not as bad i don't know maybe thrun is not that good we have ways of getting rid of getting rid of thrun nowadays so you just gotta have your (laughs) spellbreaker that's right to protect your thrun and then look out to fairy Uh, I, I think next time Krim starts playing, I'm going to try to snipe him with like a, a Carnage Tyrant deck. See see, <laughs> see, <laughs> see, his reaction. It's just like you lose to every other deck, but all you do is just ramp into Carnage Tyrant and, and play a Spellbreaker <laughs> and then just see like what happens. Just like anti, anti-Krim <laughs> green. Yep. yep. <laughs> but yeah, Teferi, Teferi is... So, so Teferi is Tom Brady... And Carnage Tyrant is like Eli Manning, but you know when he was good. <laughs> well, I I mean, at the same time, Carnage Tyrant it's it's rot or Teferi is rotating in September, so maybe maybe Brady will just retire, or, and then or the world will rejoice. He'll rotate from the NFL, <laughs> and then and then they they reprint Tom Brady. Oh, <laughs> Bel- no. gets like a twenty year old Tom Brady. He's like, yeah, let's go. Uh, yep. Someone no one's ever heard of. In the a new, a new of the draft. Sith Lord arises. <laughs> Belichick has been grooming his successor. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. That's all That's all the Patriots news this week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for your fish mail. If you have questions, send it into at uh, MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that brings us to the end of episode 209 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks one more time to SpikesAcademy.com for supporting the show. You can get 10% off over at Spikes Academy with the code GOLDFISH. So, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a wonderful week, and this is the crew signing out.